Welcome to the Philanthropy Masterminds podcast, brought to you by DonorSearch, the show that takes you inside the lives of thought leaders, innovators, and changemakers in fundraising, philanthropy, and civil society. I'm your host, Jay Frost. Formed in 1988, APRA is the premier organization for professionals who strategically harness information and data to drive fundraising for philanthropic institutions. At this year's international gathering, APRA Prospect Development 2023, we pulled together four of the field's leading voices, Carrick Davis, Roger Devine, Lindsay Nadeau, and Melissa Banks-Stepno, to discuss the organization and the field's past, present, and future, from DEI to data science, and from AI to due diligence. This is a window on that discussion. My name is Carrick Davis. I am the Executive Director of Prospect Management and Research at the University of California, Davis. Uh, I am also serving currently as the APRA President. I am Melissa Banks-Stepno. I am the Vice President of Data Insight and Managing Director for Definitive at the Helen Brown Group. I am currently serving as immediate past president for APRA and will be rolling off the board in a few more days. Hello everyone, I'm Roger Devine. I'm the AVP for Advancement Operations at Pomona College, and I presently serve as the president-elect for APRA. And I'm Lindsay Nadeau. I'm the vice president of Data Insight and Campaign Planning at UNICEF USA, and I am your incoming APRA secretary. This is a kind of a power assembly of APRA board members, presidents past, current, and future. And there are lots of things that you could talk about, and not just with APRA, but with uh, the entire fundraising and nonprofit community. Um, probably the best place to start is just to talk about what is APRA? What does it stand for? What does it mean? And I get that question a lot. So who wants to take that first? Sure, I can jump in. APRA is the premier organization for professionals who strategically harness information and data to drive fundraising for their philanthropic institutions. We provide the tools, education, and networking that help those in prospect research, relationship management, and data science achieve the missions of their philanthropic organizations. And notably, and I think this is a topic all of us around the table feel very passionately about, APRA is a volunteer-driven organization. We offer educational best practice resources and events and the networking opportunities to our members, and we are just a tremendously giving community of professionals who mentor who open up their resources and templates and share their strategies with one another so freely in such a giving way. So I'd say that that really does uh, sum up the APRA international level, but we also have a very robust ecosystem of active local and regional chapters who are really a heartbeat within APRA. And uh, it's just, there's so many plethora of offerings at that local, regional and international level within APRA. So that's who you are. Um, what about the evolution of APRA? Where is it coming from? Where is it trying to go? That's a really great question. And APRA's really been part of my professional career for 20-ish years since I started in prospect research. And it's been amazing to get more involved over the years, but also to see how it's evolved and grown. So right now we have over 2,000 members uh, covering 29 chapters that Lindsay mentioned in three countries. However, our membership's broader than that. Our members probably live in half a dozen countries, if not more than that, so definitely an international organization. Just one example of evolution, this past year we launched a new associate level membership 
at a lower price point, specifically as we were thinking about accessibility for our community, those who might be newer in the community, those who might be starting out in their career, uh, as a way to have them the give them the ability to access APRA at a at a different level. I'd also say, in my time on the board um, over the past six years, the board has really been cognizant of focusing on a phrase that we've called BondCo. It was really just a way of putting an acronym to something because we all love acronyms. And BondCo stands for bold, opportunistic, nimble, decisive, collaborative, and open-minded. And I share that with you because that's really the mindset that we've been in as a board trying to continue to drive APRA into the future and be responsive to changes in our industry, changes in the world, and give us the freedom and flexibility to be transformational, uh, which can sometimes be very, very challenging. Uh, so Bonco has been something that has really guided us. Yeah, I think one, you know, one space where we have really just sort of taken off like a rocket ship uh, is is in the area of data analytics and data science. So, you know, APRA has has always been in the business of qualitative information from a prospect research perspective. We're building profiles. We're creating strategic intelligence for gift officers in a in a qualitative way. But when in the relationship management space, the whole game is really about sorting and ranking and prioritization, right? We really need to be incredibly efficient with what we do. No gift officer is ever going to get to spend time with all of the prospects uh, that, that one could. And so we really need to help fundraisers focus on uh, truly the best of the best. And so when prioritization is central to what we do, we really need to move into the, the decision support space where uh, we're spending more time doing real quantitative, rigorous uh, experimentation to really make sure that we are focusing on the best of the best. And so uh, in 2019, uh, APRA moved from a sort of a data analytics framework into more of a data science framework. And um, you know, this was largely driven from just, you know, advances in technology. Uh, and so we're now able, we're, we're creating space, uh, again, from a, an educational and development perspective to create uh, spaces where our, our practitioners can really up their game and move into different spaces where they perhaps historically have felt a little uncomfortable and really come to embody uh, really come to embody uh, using quantitative analysis and, and real rigor uh, to help with with that prioritization and you know, optimization even. Well, to round out Lindsay sharing you know, the purpose and mission of APRA and then this evolution of change and growth uh, that Melissa noted this this change being a constant and the tooling that, that Carrick just mentioned around uh, data science and uh, this competency around working with uh, data in effective ways for our organizations uh, and supporting our missions, uh, it's important also to keep in mind the, the broader context in which we do our work. And, you know, when I joined APRA 10 years ago, and I look at the regulatory environment and the, the broader landscape and ecosystem, the environments in which we're doing our work now is much more complex and intricate. There are nuances at um, state levels, international levels. Many people tuning in today are going to be familiar, may have heard about GDPR 
And if you haven't, go check that out and check out Amber's website. But, you know, California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, CPRA, uh, VCDPA, uh, this emergence of these new um, uh, laws and regulations uh, with an eye towards uh, data, privacy, collection of personally identifiable information, confidentiality, um, sourcing of information, both as it relates to um, inflows, is not only impacting vendor landscapes, but is it's an important consideration and when we're doing our work. So what I would signal to those uh, joining us today is this notion of change is a constant and the ecosystem in which we're, we're working is increasingly complex. And we have this duty of care as professionals to be mindful of the legal, financial, and reputational risks uh, for, to our associations and our memberships uh, in, our, in our orgs and as professionals. And APRA offers a lot of uh, solutions to help navigate uh, these emergent and evolving landscapes that will continue to um, uh, change uh, together. So. Um, there, there's a lot to unpack there, yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe you can talk more about what you're doing in that space and who it's for. Um, Lindsay, do you have thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the things that we have put out into our package of assets and resources for both our members, but then uh, notably for this one I'm going to discuss for the entire fundraising community is the DEI data guide. We launched that a um, year or two ago, and we actually have an updated release in, in the wings. We we're gonna be releasing it uh, a little bit later. But the DEI data guide uh, came out of the idea that we just, we recognized that there was an industry-wide need within philanthropy for best practices that would help us outline how we can ethically collect, store, and use diversity-related data. And that, to us, means information related to any number of an identity uh, that any person can associate with. And so when we created this guide, there was just nothing in that industry, so it felt very natural for us to kind of help do the research and the, the thought exercises about the intersection of fundraising and data and ethics, because that's where we see APRA really sitting and um, being very comfortable in owning that, that area for our industry. And we're just really committed to providing resources that support the data-driven decision-making. We want to find the right way to use this data um, that honors our, our donors and our constituents, but also allows us to tap into some of the things that Carrick was describing with you know, data-driven strategy and decision science. Um, and so one thing that I'm very proud of for this board was that we made the decision to not put that as a member-only benefit. It is something that is available and can be downloaded by anyone on our website. And I think it shows a commitment from this group to be the leader in that thought space and provide resources that are so critical to helping shift the way that your organization may be uh, engaging in data management practices, and we're doing it equitably by allowing everyone to have access to it. And so I would highly encourage folks to check it out in a couple months, uh, maybe join our email list so that you'll get an update once it's released and you can, yeah, yeah see or what you can buy. Check it out now if you can't wait, but it, it, there is an update yes. coming in a couple of months. And I would just say too on that note that I think it's a really good example of how, I'm just really double clicking on what Lindsay said, 
uh, while we are obviously here as an association to serve our members who are typically those who are in the prospect research, prospect management, data science space, we also are very cognizant of finding ways that we can put into the entire philanthropic industry uh, thought leadership that helps all of us regardless of what the specific role is. And, and this is a really good example of a piece that has been picked up by some of the other associations in our industry, like AFP, like CASE. It's been covered in the Chronicle of Philanthropy. So in my mind, it's really a shining star from APRA that will continue to be utilized. And we're not stopping, which I think is even the more exciting part of it. So later this year, in addition to the update for the data guide, we are also publishing a brand new asset on data minimization. And data minimization in and of itself is something that I think is just starting to be talked about in our space. Uh, we've all heard of big data. We've all heard about the terabytes of information that are out there in the universe. And frankly, we're all becoming data hogs. So this concept of data minimization is really about helping organizations put a framework together for what they might want to keep and what they might want to purge out of their systems on a regular basis, uh, time-bound as well as thoughtfully. I know that probably makes some of the folks listening today uncomfortable. Why would we ever want to delete anything? But there are some really legitimate reasons for us to be thinking about it. Some of them are legal. So if you go back to Roger's comments about the data privacy and data governance landscape, there are reasons. laws out there that do require that some information be uh, deleted on a regular basis, such as in GDPR. But we also have to think about the storage costs that our organizations are incurring for storing as much data as they currently have. And unfortunately, we also need to be considerate of things like data leaks and security breaches that happen and data loss that put our organizations potentially at risk. Uh, and the last thing I would say is data hygiene. Uh, the more information you have out there, the more data that you have, the more you need to think about how you keep it updated and accurate, and that becomes harder and harder with multitude of data fields, thousands and thousands of data fields. So anyway, I I'm just going to sum this up by saying I think this is going to be an area where you see APRA continuing to lean into more and more as we move forward, and these are really going to be the first two places that um, you're able to see it. So definitely join our email list and check out our website. And to double click on data hygiene, why it matters, the quality of your data, people hear garbage in, garbage out, but many shops endeavor to build capacity for data science, analytics, and more sophisticated reporting. If you have good raw ingredients uh, and material, you can do sophisticated analysis that's meaningful, understandable, and actionable. But if your data is not clean and is messy and uh, um, the sense making, the report output is not necessarily going to be high quality, um, which presents a whole host of other challenges. So uh, we'll talk more uh, about data science and, and so forth. But I just wanted to link for the audience why data hygiene matters, because it's one of those, I'll do it later, rainy day, rainy month, um, you know, clean out the closet. But uh, if you had to start somewhere now, uh, and you're interested in building data science capacity and connecting with APRA to learn more about that, don't start, don't hold off now cleaning up your uh, data and documenting um, these efforts. It will serve you very well for, for future projects. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's foundational in my mind. You can't put the roof on the house without having the foundation. Yep. And for all of the reasons that Roger just mentioned, but even more simply than that, your contact information is paramount because if your contact information is out of date and isn't clean, 
then you're not reaching your constituents, which means your appeals and your phone calls and your emails are not landing in the right place, which is effectively hurting your ability to bring money in the door. The, the one thing I would say to link this back to the earlier part of the conversation is that these are issues that are not specific to people in the world of prospect development or the universe of people who are either members of or friends of APRA. That these are um, things that, that affect every single organization, just as GDPR and all these other things do. So uh, the uh, areas that you're exploring now and as you produce more content for those other audiences, is that also um, uh, open to the rest of the, um, the ecosystem of the nonprofit universe? And it, it, will it be understandable to them? So one thing that the board has really been focused on in the last year or two is, is honestly accessibility to as wide a prospect development community as we can. We understand that there are uh, you know, incredibly large organizations, huge budgets, well diversified, those big shops. But then, you know, I think, you know, Jay, in your world, you, you speak to a lot of organizations that are, that are much smaller and have a different set of needs. APRA hears that, and we understand that the issues, again, of data hygiene, uh, data governance, you know, they, like you say, those cross-cut all organizations. And so it's really, it's been incredibly important to APRA in the last few years to remove as many of these barriers to entry as possible. And so we've sort of adopted, well, we've adopted two things. We, in the last year, uh, we've brought on a, a new membership level called the Associate membership level, which is really geared towards folks who are either very early in their career and are doing prospect development work, or folks who are sort of doing prospect research off the side of their desk where their, their day job is donor relations, uh, you know, perhaps even, even frontline development, but giving, giving uh, sort of through threads to create opportunities for, for further enrichment. So the, again, this associate membership level is really geared towards uh, those folks, and that opens up a number of resources. Uh, but we've at the board we've taken this approach of a bite snack meal, and so the idea is that you know we want anyone who is interested in learning more about APRA to be able to get that to get that bite to get that executive that executive summary that top top level. What do you need to know about data hygiene? What do you need to know about due diligence? And so at that top level, you can get that you can get that bite. The associate membership is where we try to put that snack. So you you get a little bit more than the bite. Um, you get you know you get a little bit more of some of the some of the the guide, right? Thinking more about the topic, and then for those those full memberships, we we really we invite you to the buffet for the meal, where we're gonna where we're gonna give you the the full toolkit. We're gonna give you implementation ideas. We're going to talk about case studies about how other organizations have brought some of these uh, some of these principles to life. Yes, and I also would say that as we roll out new guides or toolkits, whether they're membership benefits or not, much of those items will be absorbed by our membership. They will do their own implementation and then they will share back their case studies, their findings, their applications of it through our um, open newsletter called Connections. And so even if you are not yet at the level where you're, you have a professional membership and you have, have the whole guide or toolkit available to you, there's a lot of applications that you can learn from in our newsletter about how shops are thinking about the resources that we're putting out. And those are available 
for the most part, to everyone. I think maybe perhaps our archives are something that's a membership benefit. Yeah. And I'm going to jump in and pull the lens back because the way I heard your question, I was interpreting that through the lens of the advancement industry as a whole and the appetite and interest and the utility value of some of these materials that we've referenced. And I would argue that if you're in the business of philanthropy, small shop, large shop, public, private, um, higher ed, uh, healthcare, cause base, that you need decision support. You have uh, the business of, of, of reaching out to find uh, those individuals who would be motivated to support your particular institution. P APRA and the, the uh, materials and resources that we've been talking about um, at a macro level offer decision support. So even if you're coming through and you don't have a background in PD, some of these toolkits could stimulate thinking, uh, thoughtful and strategic thinking around uh, how you can think about data management issues um, through the whole pipeline and ecosystem of your organization. So maybe you wear many hats and you're the database person and you do the uh, constituent you know, prospect lists and portfolio management and gift processing. Maybe you do all of that in one. Uh, uh, we, uh, I would encourage anyone tuning in today uh, to be a curious cat and check out uh, these materials because not only, as we've mentioned, the industry is changing, the complexity of their environment and our ecosystem is changing, the instruments and vehicles through which we do philanthropy are changing. And so uh, even if you were checked out APRA 10 years ago, come back and check out um, these resources because we're adapting um, and anticipating looking at emergent trends and, and sharing solutions and knowledge and expertise uh, through, uh, through this activated network to, to help not only ourselves but each other and the entire global community. Say so. The perhaps the the short and very direct answer to your question is: as APRA is publishing these new resources, it depends as to whether or not they will be fully available or only available as a member benefit. As Lindsay shared earlier, philosophically, we thought it very very important that that initial DEI data guide be available to the entire industry, not behind a paywall. Because using my own data hygiene analogy it was foundational and there was a lack of any uh, guidance that we could find in the space. It's kind of similar to the AFP Bill of Rights being available to everyone in the industry. But then if I can just continue to lean into AFP for a moment, uh, they do have a lot of other resources that are member-only benefits. And at this point, the data minimization guide is an example of something that we do intend to be a member-only benefit because it is perhaps not even just a double-click, but a triple-click or a quadruple-click down. Uh, but again, back to Lindsay's point, I think that as it permeates throughout the APRA community, either membership is available to anyone, uh, but also our community is going to bring that back into their organizations and into the conference presentations and into connections articles that they are writing and uh, hopefully it permeates more broadly. We've been talking about a number of different things that affect the entirety of the nonprofit world. There are one and a half million organizations out there, some of which are big and some of which are small, but they haven't all thought about all these issues and you're providing perhaps a language for that discussion at a minimum, um, whether they're APRA members or not. However, they, they access that information, you're at least providing a guide for that. 
but what about for the future? You, you certainly are seeing things on the horizon. What are those things that you're focused on now that you think are going to be important first for members of APRA, um, the current members and the future members, but also for the entirety of the fundraising space, which is reliant on information professionals in order to do their work well, ethically, and responsibly. In terms of what's coming next on the horizon, really excited about our upcoming plug-in to metrics this fall. It'll be a two-day event, November 1st and 2nd, where we'll be offering our annual virtual plug-in uh, event around prospect development and this intersection or nexus, if you will, uh, between data-driven strategy and how we can partner uh, with various members of our fundraising organizations and operations. Metrics uh, under the umbrella of accountability is really an instrument. It's a measurement tool. And sometimes metrics can induce uh, many different kinds of uh, uh, perceptions and uh, thoughts, and it can be a heavy lift. Mm -hmm. And so in this session, uh, looking forward to taking a really holistic approach to KPIs or key performance indicators, uh, and specifically uh, leading indicators, those ones that are moving the needle and helping you progress towards your goals, um, as well as uh, a thoughtful inclusion of lagging indicators, those outcomes, the, the results uh, of your efforts. Um, and ultimately, uh, in the service of our organizational missions, how these instruments and tools can support and serve productivity, uh, effectiveness, efficiency, and help spotlight how are we tracking and our progress to goals, and then what are some areas for improvement. Maybe there's some soft um, um, program areas or things w deserving further attention. Uh, so uh, tune in and uh, uh, come back to the website for more information on plug into metrics. Um, and uh, everyone throughout the fundraising uh, industry um, and operations staff uh, are encouraged to, to check it out and, and get in touch. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think at its core, you know, APRA is really about providing educational opportunities for, for our members. And we do, a, we do a member needs survey every three years. And we, we did one uh, last year. And one of the, the really dominant takeaways that, that really was struck me was that about a third of our membership has been in the industry for 11 plus years. And so what does that mean? Again, with this explosion of technology, is that you know we really we need really need to make sure that uh, retraining and upskilling is really central to to what we do to to make sure that our that our members are able to maintain relevancy and to really push the boundaries of what their organizations can can do, and so we uh, we launched a a course we launched a, a course that we we call Apper Fundamentals Data Science with R. Uh, what is R, you might ask? R is uh, an open source uh, programming language, and it's, it's not domain specific at all to fundraising. It's used in accounting and insurance and uh, medicine. And uh, we really saw a gap for that domain specific training. And so APRA stepped in and with a, a host of incredibly dedicated volunteers, put together, a, a, I believe it's, it's, it's 10 plus hours of content. Mm -hmm. um, learning, going, going from the assumption that you know nothing about coding, you know nothing about um, you know how to 
how to create codes and scripts and such, but you know the domain, um, how, do we, how do we help you bridge that uh, to go from, again, not knowing anything about coding, to be able to be a, a functional coder to be able to help your organization make sense of this immense trove of data. So that is, um, we launched that in July, I believe. Um, to date, you know, we're, we've had more than 50 folks take us up on, you know, work through the course. Um, I, lend, I lent my, my time and expertise in the, the data visualization and uh, communication space. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what it is and where we came. Um, I think it, it also really, again, speaks to the, uh, it, it speaks to APRA being continually, you know, adapting and trying to, in the words of, uh, in the words of Melissa, be opportunistic about making, uh, being opportunistic about emerging trends. Sure. I may keep us on the technology theme for a moment, but in a slightly different direction. And that is, I don't know that anybody who's listening to this hasn't heard the words chat GPT at this point. Um, and I think chat GPT is a really good example of something that is just emerging and could have transformative impact on our industry. However, I do not think it's going to be the sky is falling as some might. That might be a controversial statement. I don't know. Uh, but I remember when we first started using the internet to do our research. Yes, I am that old. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, we transitioned from physically going to the library and making phone calls and using stacks of books in our office to do research. And there was a real fear 20-ish years ago that it would put prospect researchers out of work. And here we sit 20 years later and APRA is more vibrant of a community and more vibrant of an organization and more complex than it's ever been. And I just point to ChatGPT as something where I think we are just all figuring out how it's going to impact our work. Um, APRA is still thinking about it. And I think it's gonna be a, th a theme that we hear more and more about uh, coming in the future. And we don't have anything formal planned in that area right now but it's a really good example of how keeping up with the technology changes that are much broader than our industry but impact our industry are really really critical uh, so i think that's you know a really great opportunity to pivot to something else that i'm pretty excited about that APRA's really been driving forward in the fundraising industry um, and i'd love to switch to talk about our focus on due diligence and how the rise of due diligence in our industry has really taken off. And, you know, APRA has been being sought out by the Chronicle of Philanthropy for our expertise in some of these areas. Like Roger was just quoted in the in a Chronicle article about chat GPT and AI transforming our industry and, and thinking through those considerations. Um, but as early as 2019, I know that myself and a couple other APRA members who were um, doing a lot of thought leadership around due diligence and how we vet potential donors to mitigate risk for our nonprofits. Uh, they were doing an article there and seeking us out for like, well, how do you approach this? How do you even build this? And what questions are you guys exploring within your nonprofit? And I think it's such an important and critical space that APRA has also kind of offered a wealth of resources. We did release a toolkit for due diligence, not only for how do we do this kind of vetting of our potential donors, but then also how do we vet um, and conduct due diligence on the vendors that we partner with. So there's kind of two facets that we have 
on offer. And as we sit here now at the Prospect Development Conference in Indianapolis, uh, there's literally a session going on right now about due diligence and how do we partner with vendors to, to improve our techniques. And so uh, at UNICEF uh, in particular, the rigor that we have around due diligence because of how valuable our brand is to us it has me like deep in the weeds on an enterprise risk management uh, project that we are or we're trying to scope out every potential risk for our organization. And so I, I see for the future, perhaps APRA scaling what we're doing with due diligence to to go even broader, perhaps at some point and really think about what the, the totality of all of the risks that we as an operations like center and hub and, and strategy hub can help our nonprofits think through because we are so process driven and we see how dots connect across the fundraising um, enterprises. So, yeah, as I'm thinking about our education roadmap and where we go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull for something related to due diligence and enterprise risk management. You put in many hours, each of you, and you'll be putting in many more hours, not just on this conference, but on all these things that are both for the members and for the entirety of the nonprofit space in the U.S. and beyond. Mm -hmm. Why do you do this? What is it that you want to see happen as a result of your work through APRA? I think for me, I have only worked in nonprofits for my entire career. And when I talk about that, my, my through line is the improvement of social good. I mean, hard stop, right? I think we, I, uh, I really like to sort of subscribe to the campsite rule where I would really like to leave the campsite slash my life better than I found it. I want to make good in the world. Uh, I do not have the temperament to be a frontline fundraiser, but this is one thing that I can do to uh, facilitate that work of not only you know a nonprofit that I might be uh, engaged with, but put information out to all nonprofit professionals and let them. I mean, this is going to sound self-serving, but stand on my shoulders, right? I really love the idea of leaving a legacy through education for other nonprofit professionals to do their work better. I would jump in. Why APRA and why I do this work. Um, first, I think philanthropy is a very noble calling, and I joined APRA because I was um, inducted by way of job title and role. Uh, my my membership uh, handled and said, hey, there's this org, go check this out. And I met this vibrant, diverse community of professionals who were so, as Lindsay noted earlier, open to information sharing. and. Throughout my career, I've been a lifelong learner, uh, the pursuit of knowledge. I like figuring things out, and I like sharing that with others. Uh, so that resonated with me. But when I think about the industry and the trends and the explosion of data and the data science tools and uh, uh, learning course that, that Carrick mentioned, uh, I think that uh, while philanthropy is a noble calling, the ecosystem and context in which it is enacted uh, we need to be mindful of the future of work. We need to be mindful of the need to upskill and reskill and help our fellow colleagues um, spot trends, respond to those trends, evaluate those trends, and come up with meaningful context, contextually aware and useful um, solutions to help us tackle and address the thorny problems that are perennial, that always come up uh, for us, irrespective of our organization type, size, 
um, and mission. Um, ultimately, uh, through APRA, by engaging with APRA and volunteering and giving, reflexively, I've gotten so much more back because everything good that's ever happened in my career has been the direct result of me helping someone else. Also, from an engagement learning perspective, we know from the research literature, when you engage, you present. These are leadership uh, competencies in I'm a work in progress and learn something new every day. Uh, and so uh, I would encourage anyone to get involved with APRA because you will be stronger, wiser, more informed, have tools, um, and have soundboards from other people who may have already slayed that dragon or crossed that that challenge. So why reinvent the wheel if you have access to a, a template or um, uh, advice from another person? I think also um, I... I get the sense often as we are at conferences like this that we are five to ten years behind the for-profit industry and many of them have already figured out many of these techniques and we're constantly peering over the fence trying to figure out how do we apply that. I remember one of my childhood best friends and I caught up after a while and he was literally doing portfolio management like in a relationship management context for the financial services industry and he talked about having portfolio reviews or portfolio optimization meetings with his investment professionals. And it just blew my mind that we literally had a parallel, but it took us so long as an industry to get there. And so I feel like one of the spirits that, you know, Roger and Carrick have already very aptly named about the giving nature and the collaborative nature of the, the members in our community is like that will help us catch up more, more quickly with the for-profit um, side as we are going to not guard them as state secrets or, you know, um, intellectual property or something like that. And so to me, like I always wanted to be a teacher and I, again, I embrace kind of a lifelong learning mentality as Roger said. And so not only through my work with APRA do I get to help share stuff, but I also keep myself open to being coachable. And many of the mentors that I've had throughout my career in APRA have really drilled that into how important it is to just remain like a sponge and really seek for that like innovative spirit and be open to you know anything that you can learn at any point. And so I think APRA just provides that for me. It's inspiration. It's you know making connections for other people is one of my favorite things, and I get to do that now as secretary uh, with their their volunteer roles, which is awesome. But you know I also manage a team of you know primarily introverted people, and coming to a conference like this can be painful for them. And so I love being able to be in a position to help them identify other people that they should connect with in a space that they are more comfortable with. And I'm like the ultimate joiner of like, come on guys, let's go out and do this and learn from one another and talk about shop and everything. So that's what I get. I think it's really interesting that you shared that experience of meeting with your friend in the financial services industry, because I couldn't agree more. The nonprofit industry is frequently behind the for-profit industry in a lot of ways. and. I would like to see us get to the point where that's not the case. Our donors are your friends' clients. So if we really think about this from trying to be donor-centered, we're putting our organizations at a disservice by not being, I'm going to say competitive, but I don't quite mean it that way, uh, with the for-profit entities that our donors, our constituents are also interacting with on a day-to-day basis. And it's interesting because I've... I'm in the minority because I've spent the majority of my career on the for-profit side of this industry, and yet here I still sit. And for me, I go back to my early beginnings, and this was the organization that helped me when I was really early in my career. Uh, So it's a little bit of being part of a larger community, but it's also a little bit of wanting to pay it forward. 
and help those that are first starting out in their career or, or younger in their career than I am by experience, not by chronological age, uh, lift them up. And I agree with what was said before that I come to a conference and I still continue to learn. I don't approach this from a know-it-all perspective, but that we're all learning and pushing each other forward together. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having us. The Philanthropy Masterminds podcast is underwritten by DonorSearch, the world leader in donor intelligence solutions. Our producer is Jack Frost. Our theme music is Be My Remedy, composed and performed by House of Say. You can subscribe to the Philanthropy Masterminds podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find blogs, webcasts, and CFRE accredited webinars with our featured masterminds at donorsearch.net or check the show notes and descriptions.